Hello, friends! It's your old pal, Ariel Helwani, back with another edition of the Wednesday Helwani Show. Fantastic lineup of guests, title contenders, former champions, rising stars, all that and a whole lot more, so stick around. But do want to let you know about the Low Post podcast hosted by Zach Lowe, NBA, is getting down to the wire. I stayed up till 1.30 a.m. to watch the Knicks lose to the Lakers in overtime. They were on the verge of clinching a playoff spot. Sadly, it didn't come to fruition. I'm holding out hope they can do it on Thursday. But anyway, if you want to be up to speed on all things NBA, the association, check out the Low Post podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, ESPN Films' latest documentary, 144, executive produced by ESPN Radio and First Take Her Take podcast host, as well as current WNBA superstar Cheney Ogumake, takes viewers inside the WNBA's unprecedented 2020 season. Four months after the WNBA postponed its season due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the league set out to play a condensed season entirely in a bubble where 144 players across 12 teams not only came together to play basketball, but also to dedicate their season to social justice. 144 will premiere May 13th at 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. The film will be available immediately afterwards on ESPN+. All right, on to today's show, which does contain some language that may not be suitable for all audiences. So as always, listener discretion is advised. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to Ariel Helwani's MMA Show! Back in your life on this Wednesday, May 12, 2021. Hello again, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Welcome back to the program. It is UFC 262 Fight Week. We got Charles Oliveira finally after 11 years in the UFC fighting for a UFC title, he's fighting for the vacant UFC lightweight title against Michael Chandler. We got the return of Tony Ferguson against Benil Dariush. Unfortunately, we are not getting Jack Hermanson against Edmund Shabazian. We are hopefully getting that next weekend, May 22nd. Unfortunately, we are not getting Nathan Diaz versus Leon Edwards. We are getting that hopefully in June, June 12th to be exact, UFC 263, Glendale, Arizona. But Two really interesting fights at the very top of the card. A lot going on, as always, in the world of MMA. Later on in the show, at the end of the podcast, as I've been doing for the last few weeks, I'll give you a little breakdown of the schedule. But let me tell you who we're talking to today. Later on, we're going to talk to Kayla Harrison. If you heard DC and Helwani on Monday, and by the way, apologies for some of the weird technical stuff. We'll get that fixed for next Monday. But if you heard the show, you know how high I am on Kayla Harrison. The fight was phenomenal. The post-fight promo was phenomenal, but I wanted to know more. I wanted to know who she was talking to, what she was talking about, why she's so fired up, all that and more. And so we got her on the program to talk about that and her future with the BFL. Her contract is up at the end of the year. I also talked to Anderson Silva, the legend, the spider. He dropped some news, some very big news about his fighting future. Also, He's boxing Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. on June 19th in a boxing match. We talk about that. We talk about Chris Weidman's leg injury. We talk about DMX passing away recently. Of course, he walks out to Ain't No Sunshine, where she's gone, all that and more. We talk to the legend Anderson Silva. I've been talking to Anderson Silva for a long time. This was by far the best Anderson Silva that I've ever talked to. 
he's come a long way. But first, we have to begin with Michael Chandler, the man who will be fighting for the vacant UFC lightweight title on Saturday night in Houston, Texas, Toyota Center. What a road for him. The face of Bellator for many years. Comes to the UFC, gets that backup title fight opportunity, doesn't come to fruition, beats Dan Hooker, co-main event of the Conor Poirier 2 card, and now is fighting for the vacant title. If you would have told me a year ago that the UFC lightweight title fight in May of 2021, if you would have told me this in May of 2020 would be Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler, I would have called you a liar. But that's MMA. That's why we love this sport. That's why it's so darn fun and unpredictable. It's a guy who's making, you know, who's in his rookie year, against a guy who's been in the sport 11 years, both of them fighting for, or at least the UFC for 11 years, both of them fighting for the UFC title for the first time. A legacy will be cemented on Saturday. I love everything about this, and Chandler's been killing it with these interviews as of late. So first things first, here's my conversation with Michael Chandler. All right, let's kick things off today with the man who'll be headlining UFC 262 this Saturday, Toyota Center, Houston, Texas fighting for the vacant UFC lightweight title against Charles Oliveira. You know this man, and this man is so big time now. He has his own signature shirt, Michael Chandler. Who made that see you at the top show? How did this happen? You've turned that phrase into a legit catchphrase now. Uh, I love it, man. I've been saying it ever since I discovered the great late Zig Ziglar, who wrote a book called See You at the Top, one of the greatest motivational speakers and, and motivators and communicators of all time. And just to carry on his legacy, I, I love to say it because um, – you know, it's also very sentimental to me because this weekend, I believe I get to the top, but it's really about seeing you there. I want to take everybody with me, build this community, build this platform, have a great time and, and touch as many people as I can on the way. So yeah, man, we got the shirts for, for sale on kiddangerous.com and uh, hopefully some people will get some. When did you first read that book? Um, I first read the book about 10 years ago. My mentor, Chris Patterson, uh, was actually mentored by Zig Ziglar. Chris was Zig Ziglar's personal trainer and Zig Ziglar was Chris, my mentor's um, mentor. And um, so I actually, the best part about the See You at the Top book was it was written uh, decades ago. So you can find them on Amazon used. You can find them at crazy. I found one at a, a library walking through some city one time and they smell old. They smell like mothballs, you know, because it's an old, old book. So um First read it about 10 years ago. So many life principles Zig Ziglar um, taught, and um, his, his words are just as true today as they were back in the 70s. So correct me if I'm wrong. You believe on Saturday you win this fight, you get that belt. That's the top? Um, well, I mean, the, the crazy thing about me is, yeah, that's the top for the moment, and I'm going to enjoy it Saturday night. But I'm gonna wake up Sunday morning on the on the flight back to on the flight back to Nashville, excited and, and anticipating and ready for what's next. Because I know the great thing about signing with the UFC eight months ago, um, I knew every single fight moving forward was going to be a big fight. There is no shortage of phenomenal competitors inside the UFC lightweight division, which is the most exciting division in the in the world. Um, so after this fight, Connor and Poirier are fighting in July. I'll be there cage side. The winner of that, I would imagine, becomes emerges the number one contender. And then you got Gaethje, you got Ferguson. I mean, do you, any number of guys, somebody outside, somebody inside the top 10 who's going to surge down into the top five. Um, a lot of exciting fights. So, But this will be the top that I will reach on May 15th. And then just defending the, t- the title a couple times will cement me as one of the greatest lightweights of all time. So it sounds like for you, 
um, your belief is the top changes depending on the moment. Have you ever felt prior to this moment, like you reached the top or was the top always exclusive to the UFC? The top was always exclusive to the UFC. Um, you know, and, and I think you're lying to yourself if, if you, if you don't think that that's, that's true. Um, I can, I know, I know this from experience. I've been outside the UFC. Um, it's a different, just a different experience. It's a different animal the, the, the rosters are just de- more deep. Um, the depth of the roster in the lightweight division and every division is just, um, just much bigger here in the UFC. And that's there, there are certain athletes outside the UFC. Like I, I always thought I was, um, and I always took a lot of guff from it. I told you, I think I could be, could be, I told you I might be one of the top guys in the world, but everybody would say, okay, well, why don't you go to the UFC to prove it? So that's what I'm doing. I knew I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Um, if I didn't, um, take this leap and take this, take this jump to the UFC, but I've always known that I was one of the top guys in the world, but until you prove it in the octagon, in the UFC, um, it's kind of just lip service. And it's really unfortunate because you're never going to be number one unless you're in the UFC. To that point, have you noticed a palpable difference in the way in which people view you and treat you now that you're a UFC fighter for only eight months? I mean, you were the face of Bellator for a decade. I remember the Dave and Buster's commercials. I remember when they went to Spike and you were the guy that they were pushing. However, even just looking at like your small things like Instagram engagement and stuff like that, it feels like everything has increased tenfold. Do you feel a difference just after one UFC fight, the way the out, not the MMA community, because I feel like everyone respected you, whether you were fighting in the UFC or not, but the outside world views you now that you're a UFC fighter? 1,000%. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy. I mean, since my, just since my, the announcement on that, when Dana got on SportsCenter and said, we just signed Michael Chandler. I mean, since that day, everything has changed. Now, granted, it, it didn't really change until I beat Dan Hooker and finished him in the first round, because until then I was actually, I actually took just as much, just as much hate as I did, you know, got praise because people saw me coming to the UFC, get the world title shot back up position. Who is this guy? What's his name? Where's he from? He's from the B leagues. You know, he's, he's an outsider. Why isn't it one of these other guys? So I took a lot of, um, took a lot of criticism for that. Um, but I knew in the back of my mind, every time I saw the comments, every time I heard people say things, every time I, I, I felt the general aura of, of disbelief in this new guy coming in, I had this, you know, just kind of slight smile on my face and the feeling of my heart. Like eventually I'm going to wear these people down. I'm going to show them. It's just a matter of time. Every single thing in life changes with time and circumstance. I just needed some time to be in the organization, get my feet wet, continue to wear people down and continue to push out my message, continue to let people see my workouts, see the drive, see the way in which I live my life. And eventually I was going to wear people down. And I was just sitting here talking to my manager, Randall, last night. Um, the I think the Dean's Diaries video came out yesterday. It's got like 150,000 views in the first 12 hours, thousand something comments. And I don't read them all, but the amount of comments on YouTube videos, social medias and stuff that essentially say, man, I really hated this guy when he came into the UFC, but now I like him. He's really worn on me. He's really grown on me. I think those messages are probably the, probably the most satisfying because we judge a book by its cover. And then we realize, well, we kind of like, I kind of like that guy. It turns out. I was just about to ask you if you noticed the difference. I've noticed the difference. I felt like people thought like you were entitled um, when you came in and then you were being handed something on a silver platter and didn't yeah. put in your dues. Now I'm noticing the difference. And I wonder if it has anything to do with that post-fight interview <laughs> in the cage and how 
you nailed that and how, you know, inspiring it was and reminiscent of another grade from yesterday. Yeah. I wonder if that really endeared you to the public. I don't know. I'm just throwing maybe, it out there. Maybe it did. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say that was really cringe, but then I've heard a lot of people oh, say get out of here. Awesome. What do I they know? Well, yeah, no, that, I mean, you want to ride the fine line between as long as I people know like the real me the real me i i try to operate with integrity and humility and and put my best foot forward but throw a little bit of crazy nasty loudness in there like at the post fight speech you know um but you know you, you go back to I, I go back to that word entitlement i think that was exactly what happened too i didn't come into the ufc asking for title shots asking for crazy amounts of money asking for anything all i asked for was Hey, give me an opportunity to prove either I am or I am not who I say I am. I believe I'm a top five guy. Look, give me a top five guy right away. It's sink or swim. Maybe I come in and the UFC gets the uh, they get the satisfaction of of kicking a Bellator guy to the wayside, or man, okay, this guy is pretty good, you know. So I wanted the top five guy right away. They granted that wish, um, but I didn't come in asking for any of these crazy things. It's just kind of happened, and I think it's you know it's a blessing to me and it's, it's a testament to where the, the UFC values my skill set and what I bring to the table as an athlete. By the way, is, is the nature boy going to walk you out on Saturday? <laughs> it remains to be seen. We shall oh. see now. <laughs> he, he, he's not, he's not, okay. but uh. maybe eventually we'll see. I should have just left it at that. People would buy the pay-per-view just for that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> maybe, maybe he is though. I, pre- uh, so I appreciate the transparency. Um, wh- by the way, I know the whole like, you know, backup fighter thing, but before all that emerged, if, if when you, you know, put pen to paper, even when you were negotiating with them, if someone would have told you that you'd be fighting for a title for the UFC title within less than a year of signing with them, would you believe them? Or in the back of your mind, did you think it would take two, three, four fights? In the back of my mind, I, I thought it would take two, three, four fights, but I think I was also just managing expectations. You know, the last thing you want to do is come into the UFC thinking you're going to get a title shot, your second fight. And then it takes three fights, four fights to do it. Um, you know, I think I think more than anything, I've uh, I've always expected great things in my life or on my life and accomplishments because I do think I I do the right things and I work hard. Um, but at this point in my life, it's just been revealed to me so many times that I cannot continue to put limits on on God's promises and God's calling on my life. You know, like I think I stand here today or sit here today feeling as though we're on the cusp of something ridiculously huge that's going to impact millions and millions of people. Um, and I cannot continue to operate with limits being put on me with glass ceilings being above my head. Life was, was, was created to be lived and lived at the fullest. So at this point, I humbly say, I am not surprised, you know, surprise, surprise. Like here we are, you know, here we are. I honestly can't believe it. And I, I go back to my, my conversation with, with Hunter Campbell and Dana White when they called me after. They were just like, hey, you know, it happened quicker than, than we thought, than you thought, than anybody thought. But, you know, this, this makes the most sense for, for the division. And uh, get your butt down to Florida because you got a title fight. And here I am, seven and a half, since, seven and a half weeks removed from that phone call, about to get the biggest opportunity in my life. And I am more confident than I've ever been that I'm going to go out there and just dominate. Obviously, you don't know what it will feel like when it happens, but knowing you a little bit like I do and and how competitive you are and how you have these lofty goals and you want to be considered the best, do you think the victory will feel as satisfying beating Charles Oliveira as opposed to, say, beating Khabib? You know, that's what you said you wanted to do. Like, will you consider yourself the undisputed champion, even though 
you are not beating the guy who held the belt last? Um, I will, and only because we have to we have to take a look at all of this based upon how sports happen. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's a team sport, a league, a season, every single new season. There's new coaches, there's new players, there's a new roster, people get cut, people retire, there's people get injured. Uh, every single individual sport, the same thing happens. Every single couple months, there's a new turnover of new talent, of new people, new champions, upsets and crazy stuff happen. So, of course, as an athlete, Khabib's the guy that I want to I dethrone. I truly believe he, if he ever comes back, he becomes 29 in Chandler. He's going to be looking for 30-0, and 0, he becomes 29 in Chandler. However... I do believe that I am the champion when I beat Charles Oliveira only because this is just the nature of the sp- of sports in general. This is how it works. If we, you know, if if we if we operated under the kind of the, the way you laid it out, nobody would be a champion, a true right. champion because when St. Pierre retired and and all these other guys retire or even just injuries or weird weird stuff happening within the confines of of sports and the way that sports turn over, you've got to just continue to live in the moment and move forward with, with the next best guy, the guy who continues to go. And, you know, I, I wish Habib well in his retirement. We'll see what happens with the future. Um, at this point, the division moves on. And truthfully, if we trade out Khabib for myself, I think I, I can be just as good of an ambassador and steward for the lightweight division inside the UFC as he has been. Um, and, I'm, and I would be honored to be that. I feel like you're still holding out hope that he comes back, that you win the belt, you're a fresh face, you're a great fighter, you will entice him, your presence will entice him to reconsider. True or false? Um, if it does, it does. I by no means am losing any sleep over it. Um, that's, but that's the beauty of this lightweight division. I mean, say Khabib stays retired forever. Goodness gracious. Would you not want to see me fight Poirier, Connor, mm-hmm. Ferguson, uh, Gaethje? I mean – that's the beautiful thing. It's not as though we have a very stale stable of guys who aren't going to bring great fights to the table. You know, I'll, uh, I'm going to run through this one and then another couple and see what happens. There's a, a tons of great fights out there at 155, 170. Um, and we, uh, you know, we could go from there and have a good time. Uh, speaking of new beginnings and, 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 and being a part of the UFC and what that leads to, uh, I had the uh, the opportunity. A lot of people are are trying to get their hands on this to open up a box of the new Panini UFC cards, and there I get a Michael Chandler rookie card. No Look way, at that, dude. that Look bad that. boy. Look at that dude. bad boy. How co- is it? Like I, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. There were no Bellator cards. Right? Like, is this your first trading card ever? And if so, what does this mean? My first trading card ever. Yeah. And that, and that is truly my, my rookie card. You know, I mean, obviously I am not a rookie, uh, but it was my first fight in the UFC. So therefore it's my, my rookie card. And, and uh, man, so cool. I mean, just like you, just like every young boy growing up in, in America, I had the Beckett books and you looked them up. I, I collected a lot of hockey cards, a lot of baseball cards growing up. And uh, man, just what a dream come true because we, we, we idolize and we look at all these guys and these, these players on these cards saying, man, someday I want to do something that will be so significant that I might end up on a card. And here I am 30 something, 30 years later, man. And, uh, goodness gracious, it feels really cool and, uh, blessed to be on the Panini cards. And, uh, it's really cool. I have, I have one of those myself and I'm going to ask, you're going to give it to your son, right? You got to give that to your son. 
Yep, I'm going to give that to my son. And uh, I got a signed Joseph Benavides uh, card in my uh, in in my back box of twelve. So that was that was cool. And uh, yeah, hopefully I continue to do a bunch of cool stuff with Panini. Hopefully, hopefully I get a really nice, cool action shot knockout for this la- this next fight. Get another card coming with Panini. What I love so much about this fight is that there's two great stories here. There's you and your story, and we've talked about it, and, and your road to the UFC and the journey. And there's this guy named Charles Oliveira who's been in the UFC since 2010. He made his debut on a network that no longer exists versus he's had his ups and downs, missing weight, problems, all kinds of stuff. And now he has found himself, and he's looked like a buzzsaw as of late. And so I'm just wondering, from your perspective, what has impressed you most about what Charles Oliveira has done on this winning streak? Man, I mean, that, that is the thing. I, uh, I wouldn't be standing here today without, without loving and, and, and seeing firsthand kind of that underdog story, that the stick to the highs, the lows, the getting beat down and pulling yourself back up. So in that regard, you can't help but to just love Charles Oliveira's story, honestly. I started fighting in 2009. He's been signed with the UFC since 2010. Man, he was just a young kid from Brazil with a glimmer in his eye and a hope that maybe someday when I get into this sport, I could be a, a UFC champion. And it has taken him a over a decade now to get this UFC title shot. So um, I, I by no means uh, think that my road is any better or worse, but it is really cool. It's a tale of two completely different stories. The guy who has cut his teeth and worked extremely hard over the last over a decade inside the UFC to get the title shot. And then the guy who's worked his, his tail off, had a bunch of highs and lows and dusted himself off outside the UFC and then come into the UFC now to get the title shot. So, man, I just think his evolution as a fighter, his striking, he's the most dangerous guy in the world on the ground. Not only does he have the most submission wins in UFC history, but the way in which the versatility in which he's able to finish fights on the ground in any given moment, you are you are kidding yourself if you don't think you are in absolute danger at all times when Charles Oliveira is within an arm's reach of you to be able to pick you up, put you down and, and roll you up into some kind of crazy submission. So um, that's what excites me. That's what scares me. That's what keeps me up at night. Um, and that's why I'm going to go out there on Saturday night on my P's and Q's with my best, best foot forward. And I believe put together a phenomenal performance and game plan to be able to stake my claim as the number one lightweight in the world. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't, if, if I didn't say this fight scares me a little bit and, and it excites me. A couple last things and then I'll let you go. Uh, just curious, you know, you're a tremendous wrestler. Obviously, that's your base. His base is jujitsu. Both of you have turned into great strikers as well. But often when you have the wrestler and the jujitsu guy, you know, you don't want the jujitsu guy off his back. You know, your strength would be to take him down, but off his back. So that often leads to a, a predominant striking matchup. Are you thinking that this fight will be contested mostly on the feet as a result of that? I would like it to be, you know, I think, man, I think from the first time that that glove touches Charles Oliveira, wherever it is, body, shoulder, head, um, he's going to realize that he's, he's in there with a different guy. Uh, Kevin Lee is known for his hands, but he doesn't even have close to the speed and power that I have. Uh, Tony Ferguson kind of didn't really bring much to the table in the striking department. The guys that he has fought over this eight fight win streak, um, I don't think he's fought anybody in his entire career that have that has the power and the speed that I have. Um, but if the fight goes to the ground as well, I am, I mean, I train with Gilbert Burns, Herbert Burns, Wagner Rocha. I mean, I train with some really high level BJJ black belts. Um, 
I have fought some high-level BJJ black belts, guys who have over 20 submission wins in their career, guys who guys who roll guys up really quickly. I have a I have a knack and a sixth sense for not getting caught in submissions in a lot of in a lot of regards. Short neck, short arms, short uh, limbs, and just a confident, strong power pressure base. Um, and that's kind of the wrestler way. So if I need to pick them up, put them down, or even if a crazy scramble happens and I trip, fall down, get taken down off the cage, I'm getting hand control. I'm getting back up and we're going to get back to the feet and I'm going to keep punishing them. Second to last question. Sometimes I'm just looking at your Instagram and I'm like, this guy is such a freak of nature. It's the same kind of way that I, that I watch like the rocks Instagram. I'm like, how does this person, how does this specimen exist? And you do all these <laughs> crazy things. The rock, uh, the rock Dwayne Johnson allows us once a week to see his incredible cheat meals. I don't know if you've seen these cheat meals before, but I, yeah. I, I, I watch those with great admiration. We don't, what's the Michael Chandler cheat meal? Does that even exist? Do you eat anything that is not supremely healthy? There's gotta be something <laughs> that you eat, right? That's, that's a little more relatable to people like me. Yeah. You're right. number one. The rocks cheat meals are on another level. Like <laughs> I have no idea how he ingests like 40,000 calories in a meal or whatever at, at two in the morning, he's eating yes. like nine, a uh, nine pounds of Cinnabons. And you're like, what in the world? All homemade by the way. So um, man, honestly, I don't know. I I've just got, I've gotten this, I've gotten this extra drive and motivation to, to stay away from that stuff because I don't think we get old. I think we get lazy, we get busy and we start to get fat because we get lazy and we get busy. And the more out of shape you get, the harder it is to get back and the more your body slows down. But I'm not going to sit here and say, I don't have pizza, uh, burger and fries, but I think, uh, I think my favorite cheat meal is, is pizza for sure. Um, I will definitely have some pizza after this fight, but really, man, even just going out to eat and getting a big old steak and vegetables, like that is very similar to what I eat inside training camp. But the fact that I do it out, the fact that I can take my wife on a, on a date, the fact that I might have an adult beverage as well. You know, these are, uh, these are my, these are my things that I enjoy when it comes to, uh, eating. Um, cause I like really good food, really good tasting food, but really still pretty nutritious food because I think, I think this body needs to last as long as it possibly can. And I think me fighting for the UFC title. And I think when you see my performance at 35 years old, at UFC 262, when I win the title, you're going to say, man, that guy's 35 year old body is a lot different than a lot of 35 year olds we have seen. And I think it's just a testament to me preserving it via great supplementation, nutrition, and the right workout plans. Last question. All goes well on Saturday. You get the belt wrapped around your waist. The moment that every fighter dreams of everything you've been through over the past decade, the highs and lows, Brent Primus, Madison Square Garden, Eddie Alvarez, right? Pitbull coming to the UFC, doing what you do. All the highs and lows. You get to the back. Who's the first person you call? Well, I mean, if there was nobody there, I would call my wife first. But she, she's, she's going to be there. Um, the wife, my wife was the first one I called after my win in Abu Dhabi. She was the first. She's always the first one I call if she's, if she's not there. Um, her love and support and sacrifice and, and selflessness. I mean, she, I have been putting my body through a, a, a living heck over the last eight weeks, being down in Florida training and, and, and making the requisite sacrifices as an athlete to be successful on Saturday night. But she takes over the role as both parents. She's taken out the trash. She's taking care of our child. Um, she really steps up so I can live this dream. And 
she works full-time. She is a doctor and, and works full-time. So she's, she's just a, uh, a phenomenal human being. And she motivates me in ways that she has no idea. She motivates me just even today. Um, we had a very quick phone call because she was at work and yeah, I'm here training. I'm here in on fight week and it should be about me, but it's, it's not because I have, I have the mentality that she is living her dream and she is f- fulfilling her calling and I'm doing mine. And she's doing it on her side. I'm doing it on my side and we get to get to come together after I win this belt. So she's always the first one I call. She's the first one I'm going to hug first one I'm going to kiss. And, uh, gosh, dang, man, it's going to be really great. I look forward to it, Michael. Uh, congrats on making it this far on this moment. Good luck on Saturday. Good luck in the last few days leading up to the fight and, and can't wait to see the fight on Saturday night. Appreciate the time as always. Yes, sir. Thank you, Ariel, man. I'll see you at the top. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. Let's say hello now to the legend himself, the one and only Anderson, the Spider Silva, who we found out just a few weeks ago will be returning to action in a boxing ring against Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. on June 19th in Guadalajara, Mexico, in a boxing match, something that he's talked about for quite some time. Here he is, the one and only Anderson Silva to talk about that and a whole lot more. Anderson, thank you for the time. How are you? I'm good, my friend. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Uh, so a lot to discuss with you, but let's start there. How did this fight with Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. come about for you? Well, I'm in vacation in Brazil and um, the people call me and say, you have a... Uh, um, fight for you but I say fight where when and the people told me boxing in Mexico with Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I say wow why not and I just accept the fight and I enjoy the moment you know because I think this moment in my life Ari is more passion and love, you know, and uh, I try to do my best every single day in my personal life and my in, inside the, the, the my sport too, you know, and uh, I'm an athlete and I try to do my best, you know, and that's how I, I accept this challenge for my fans, for myself, and for doing my best. How many rounds is it? Eight rounds. And three-minute rounds? Yes. Uh, so it's pro boxing? It's considered a pro boxing bout? Yes. And and what's the weight? Um, 182, I think. 182. And how big are the gloves? Uh, 10 ounces. Okay. Um, and you are the co-main event. The main event is... Julio Cesar Chavez yes. Sr. fighting Hector Camacho, which is wild in its own right. Um, yeah, absolutely. 
this was always something that you talked about. You wanted to box Roy Jones. You wanted to box other people. Did you feel like before your career was over, you had to get this pro boxing bout in, you know, at some point, like, do you feel like this would have been a regret of yours if you didn't fight one of these big names? Well, you know, that's the, the, the good challenge for me, you know, in, I'm enjoy. I just try to, to enjoy the moment and, and, and do my best, you know, and I don't, don't think this is the, the, oh, I go fight now professional for more fights or not. Only this fight, maybe more or not, but right now it's just, I try to have fun and do my best, you know, best I can. Um, fighting Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., was that something that was on your mind or was it more they came to you with this opportunity and you said yes? Um, you know, it's a good opportunity. In, uh, in my mind, I never think I fight one day with the, the big name, with Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Yeah. The guy is the ex-champion, uh, 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 you know, and um, everybody needs respect, you know. And for me, it's important to do my best because I believe in the boxing is a traditional sport. It's old sport. And I can't go inside the ring and not do my best and try to make the fight um, um good and respect mm -hmm. not for my fans or not for fans the boxing but for the people in athletes make this sport huge you know a lot of people working hard a lot of people die you know a lot of fights die for this sport and make this sport huge and i need respect and that's i training hard every day that's i accept the challenge for professional fight, not exhibition. And I'll see. Uh, the last time very recently that we saw an MMA fighter go into a boxing ring, it was not that long ago. Ben Askren got knocked out by Jake Paul. Do you feel like there is pressure on your shoulders now to represent for the MMA fighters against the boxers? No, definitely not. I know I'm not represent MMA guys. I just represent myself and my team and my family, you know, and I just try to do my best inside this sport, inside the boxing. I practice boxing for many, many years. I fight boxing professional many years ago, but not the same level. But, you know, I train hard every day. I never stop training. And I go enjoy the moment and do my best for sure. Are you done with MMA? Uh, you know, Eric. Is MMA is a is amazing sport, you know, and I believe in this sport. It's not come more big and more interesting because the people behind the scenes don't respect the athletes. You know, I'm lucky because every time I fight MMA. I training hard and putting my heart in my real passion inside the cage. 
and I'm lucky because I finish uh, this part of my life. And now I just go enjoy the moment. You know, maybe my next challenge is the jujitsu gi or not gi. I don't know. I, I just enjoy the moment, enjoy the whole martial arts, you know. How and you maybe one day when I, people ask me about boxing, about jujitsu, about uh, different uh, uh, disciplines, I can talk because I say, I know what, what, what I can do in that, you know, mm. and that's, that's because I, I fight in the sport. That's because I fight in the sport. I know how much is hard, how much you need to train, you know, and um, for me is a, is a, the first one you, you need to respect the sport. Doesn't matter how sport you go practice. Doesn't matter you're a jujitsu guy, you uh, uh, YouTuber or not. You need to respect the legacy in the sport. Do you feel like you weren't respected towards the end of your run in the UFC? Um, I feel happy because I do my best in putting my heart in the company. And one time I remember Lorenzo say, this is family and you need to stay close to the family. And I, every single moment I fight in UFC, I put in my heart because I feel my family, but it's time to change, you know, and I don't have nothing for talking about UFC, you know, and um, I, I have a, great and amazing moments in UFC and everything uh, I sign in contract, the people respect and I need to say thank you so much. But right now I'm, I'm free, I'm alone and I can't do anything and fight everywhere, you know, and enjoy the moment. Uh, when you uh, parted ways with UFC after your fight against your eye hall, did you have people that came to you with offers to fight in MMA? Was there anything that you considered before? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. After, um, when the moment I finished the fight, I walk in to the, 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 the room mm -hmm. and the people start call, call me for fight in Japan, you know, wow. and, uh, I just, whoa, uh, I need to rest, but, uh, I go check it out, you know, and um, every single day, uh, the different companies, especially in Japan, call me in Asia too. But I think MMA for me is done, you know, because it's hard to train MMA. It's hard to to stay in comp training and good level because you you hurt you hurt yourself a lot, you know. And um, now I just try to enjoy, you know, I don't need to prove nothing for anybody. I just try to enjoy the every single moment I, f I fight in different sports, you know, and that's it. So Anderson, just to be clear, would it be fair to say you are done fighting in MMA, but you are now open to things like boxing, jujitsu, other combat sports, but as far as mixed martial arts is concerned, you won't fight yes, again? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is that a hard decision to make for you? Or do you feel like once the, no, UFC... okay, no, you're happy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so happy. Did you, you know, know 
did you know going into the Uriah Hall fight that that would be your last MMA fight? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I accept the fight and um, something behind the scenes happened, you know, and, um, but everybody knows what the situation and Ryan's amazing fight, you know, is in the fight. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Everybody training hard for win. But I make mistake and I lose. But it's fine. I I don't I don't put pressure in my mind and my body and say, oh, I fail, I need to fight again and that. No, it's fine. Do you have any regrets? Mm, you know, I just I need you say thank you. For God, for giving me the whole opportunity for fight MMA, for fight boxing, for fight Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu, wrestling, you know, and training hard in my entire life and continue doing my best, you know, continue training. Sometimes Gabriel, my son Gabriel, come train with me. I try to help my son. And that's more important for me, you know, and I just enjoy every single part my life right now and try to make something special for the people close to me by the way you i uh, have to ask you mentioned something happening behind the scenes do you want to tell us what happened behind no, the scenes? okay okay no, yeah. everybody yeah. knows about that especially okay. you <laughs> <laughs> fair enough uh, by the way you mentioned your kids uh do you think you know or, and you, are you in support of your any of your sons following in your footstep and becoming a pro fighter do you want this to happen yeah, you know, I I prefer not, you yeah. know, because every step in every uh, uh, bad uh, situation in this sport, I I pass. Mm-hmm. And but my son love fight and try to fight professional. I say okay, just let's do it. You know, I go help you. I go support you in. But the more important, you need to think about how much you love this because you make this for make money or come famous, you're wrong. Mm. You go fail. But when you make this for because you love, because you have a passion and you try to pass good message for the people, do it, you know. And that's I I try to to explain and teach my sons. When you see your, your younger sons fighting and trying to be like you, emulate you, and maybe one day be better than you, what is, what is that like for you as a father? What do you feel inside when you watch them compete? I feel, I feel happy. I feel very comfortable. And, you know, I just, wow, you know, my legacy continue and I pass uh, the the opportunity for the new generation and my son is a new generation right now you know and i try to help you to make something special for everybody you know because that's the great responsibility is there a chance that the fight against julio cesar chavez jr the boxing match on june 19th is your final fight period regardless of combat sport Mm, nah okay okay you want to do more Probably. Okay. Um, and, it, you know, uh, very recently, 
uh, as you know, it was unbelievable. Just two weeks ago, we saw what happened to Chris Weidman, which made us all think of you. Were you watching that live? Well, I, my son's watching the fight because I don't watch any more MMA fight. I just watching jujitsu, boxing, uh, Muay Thai, and you don't and watch think, anything. What? No MMA. No, I How don't. Come? I don't want. Why? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I watching for many many years. Yeah. Uh, MMA fight. It too much. Too much. Too much. You know. <laughs> I have a. Oh my god. I I I just every single day. I remember in my life. I just looking and watching videos and everything. You know. And I say. You know. I'm done. No, okay. I don't go watch anymore. And one of my sons uh, sent me the 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 message and say, "What's going on?" And uh, I sent the video. Check it out, Dad. You know, when I look at, I say, "Oh my God!" You know, I feel the same pain. You know, I feel I feel bad for Chris because I know how much is hard. You know, how much is the moment is is tough, you know, and I believe in Chris go to to back to fight very soon, but it's it's tough, you know. You need to stay stay close with your real friends, with your family, and take uh, time and. In very very uh, calm and focused because it's not easy. And also, uh, just before I let you go, I have to ask about the uh, the passing of DMX because when we think of DMX and MMA, wow. you're the one we think of. Ain't no sunshine. One of the most iconic walkouts. Um, could I ask when? Do you remember when you first decided to use that song, and why was it that song that you felt like was the was the perfect one for you as you were about to walk out? Well, I, I remember my friend when I fight in Cage Radio in, in, in London, uh, my friend uh, Alex just talked to me and say, you know, that's the song you need to go inside the cage. That's your song. That's the song you need to use it for your career. And that's a using, that's a using this song and uh First of all, I'm a big fan for GMX, you know, and uh, I'm feel very sad um, because is the the GMX is the great talent and a good actor, good singer, and an amazing father is a very uh, good man, you know. Of course, he's have a lot of problems with drugs and everything, but it's not about this. It's about how much this man changed the life of a lot of people and helped mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know, and I'm, I'm respect a lot, you know, and I, I, in the moment I take the new and I say, wow, is this war has come crazy, you know. You ever meet him? One time. When? Oh, long time ago, I just talked with um, Richard Manish, and um, I, I think JMX come to walk in for with somebody else, and I say, "Oh, hi!" and they talk to me, and very fast. Wow, 
Well, like mm. I said, anytime we hear that song, uh, we think of you. And, and when he uh, passed away, I, th I thought of you and all those great walkouts with that song as well. Will you be walking out with that song on June 19th? Yes, absolutely. That's great. Well, Anderson, it's always an honor to talk to you. Uh, welcome back. I, I wish you the best. June 19th, they're calling it a tribute to Kings. Uh, it'll be Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. against Hector Camacho. And then, of course, Anderson Silva in a pro boxing bout against Cesar Chavez Jr., the son of the uh, the, the great legend, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. So I wish you all the best on June 19th, my friend. Uh, good luck Thank to you, you in so training much. and good luck in the fight. Thank you so much, Ari. Thanks so much, guys. God bless you, my friend. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, let's say hello now to one of the faces of the Professional Fighters League. She had a fantastic performance last week in her return to the PFL, long-awaited, much-anticipated return. And if I'm being honest, Kayla Harrison, as we say hello to Kayla, kind enough to join us, I'm still not quite sure as to what I was most impressed by. Was it the win, the 123 win over Mariana Moraes, or was it the post-fight promo I'm leaning strongly towards the post-fight promo, blown yeah. away by it. Top five in recent memory. First things first, I just needed to get that out of the way. Congratulations on a great performance in your return to the PFL. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks. Okay. So you know why I was so impressed with the promo? I, I just want to get to the promo if I can. Let's just talk about it because you're okay. excited. About it. Let's I was so excited. I was, there I am watching this and you know, you have this great performance. I mean, you're dominating everyone. 123. It was never in doubt. I mean, it was just like you unleashed all this fury on Mariana. Okay. It was all well and good, but here's Kayla Harrison, who I recall several years ago at the podium at the Olympics saying, uh, MMA, too much drama, too much trash talk. And then she drops a promo like that. What happened to that Kayla Harrison from a few years ago? Oh, my hot times have changed. Um, no, I'm just sick of it. I'm just sick of, um, I'm sick of being miscongeniality, you know, like this is not, um, I'm not in this sport to make friends. I'm not in this sport, um, to be well liked or loved or make a ton of money. Like, obviously I want people to like me. I want to make money. I want to be, um, 
I want to continue to make friends and have relationships in the sport, but that's not why I'm in it. I'm in it to be the best and that's it. And I'm sick of like pretending, not even pretending, just not saying how I feel. I feel like I will go down as the greatest of all time. I'm staking my claim now. I'm putting it out there for all the world to know. I believe in myself. I believe that I will be the greatest of all time. It feels to me, correct me if I'm wrong, like you have a chip on your shoulder. If so, why? I don't know if I have a chip on my shoulder, but this last year has taught me a lot about this business. Um, And, you know, again, like it's, it's not about anybody else. It's not, it's a very personal thing. Like it's not, um, this is, this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is what I'm going to do. Watch me show you. That's it. I'm just tired. I'm just tired of like, you know, my entire judo career, I was the golden girl and I was like the poster child for judo. And throughout my career with the PFL, I feel like I've done everything right. And I've been the poster child and I've said all the right things and done all the right things. And, um, I've taken my time. I didn't blow up overnight. I didn't become a sensation like Rhonda. I didn't, you know, become a household name. I haven't, I've done everything right. And I still don't feel like I, um, Not that I get the respect I deserve, but I still feel like I'm not where I want to be. So I'm not, I'm no longer playing by anybody else's rules. Like this is just, this is what it is. I'm going to be the best. That's it. You say you learned a lot over the past year. What do you mean by that? I mean, I just think that I, um, I came into this business very doe-eyed, you know, I came into this business, but truly believing people when they said things, taking people at their word, um, because I, I put a lot of value in, in my morals and my integrity and, um, always being a woman of my word. So I kind of felt that people were the same and that's just not the case in this business. I'm sure as you know, you've been around it for a very long time. You know, people are not, um, everything gets clouded when money comes into play and you can have all of the great, greatest intentions in the world. But at the end of the day, like other people aren't, aren't on the same page as you. Like at the end of the day, a promoter's job is to make money. A fighter's job is to win. And I kind of didn't, I just was very, um, I was just very naive to all of it, I think. So I'm not anymore. And that is good. That is good to hear. Um, I feel like you were speaking to four entities in that post-fight promo. One was a larger entity and three more specific. The larger one was just the MMA community. You wanted the MMA community to know you're going to be the greatest ever, respect you, you know, know this face, know that, you know, person in the cage, all that. And and I think Mm -hmm. that message was sent. The second entity, if you will, I think you were speaking to the PFL. It seems to me like they're there have been some issues between you and the PFL for quite some time. You spoke about these. You've also mentioned that your contract is up at the end of this year. Are we headed towards a, a divorce between you and the PFL? <laughs> uh, you just always get right into it, don't you? Um, oh, it's the only way to be. It's your job. I appreciate it. Um, listen, I actually am one of those people who truly does believe in the PFL format. I truly believe that sport base is the way to be in MMA. I believe that um, putting the fighters 
destiny in their hands is a hundred percent more beneficial to the fighters than any other promotion so far in the history of promotions. I do think that they have a great product. I do think that their production's gone up. I do think that everything is going, they've gotten a lot of new stars in. I think that I do believe in the PFL. But my job is to take care of Kayla Harrison. My job is to go down as the greatest of all time. That is my goal for myself. So it's not, you know, I begged, I begged the PFL to sign Cyborg when she was a free agent. I begged them. I wanted, I wanted her in the, I wanted all these girls who are top fighters who are free agents to be in the PFL. Now I'm not in control of that. It's the PFL's job to bring in top competition. If they cannot bring in top competition, I do not know what's going to happen, but you know, my goal. So I'm pretty sure everyone can figure it out. Is there a part of you that feels like in order to achieve that goal, you have to go elsewhere, namely the UFC? I mean, are any, are any top, top 10 fighters in the PFL right now in my, for me? Certainly. I mean, 155 doesn't exist if not for you. And then <laughs> let's be honest. And 145 is hanging on by a thread. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we all know I can make 145 now. We can put that little question to, to rest finally. Um, listen, I, I have to do what's best for my career and, and what's best for my goals. Then it doesn't mean that, who knows, maybe PFL is able to get a top get top opponents. Who knows? I don't, I'm not going to speculate or talk about that because I still have three really hard fights in front of me. And at the end of the day, in order to achieve what I want to achieve, I have to go out and demolish these girls. I have to go out and just put on clinics. So I have to stay focused on that. And then when the year is up and the, and the contract is up, then we'll see what happens. Why wasn't this season a 145 season for you? Um, I think that they had talked about it, but ultimately, um, Clarissa Shields, I don't think can make 145. So but she's not I don't, a part of the, 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 the he's tournament. not, no, he's not. Um, I don't know. I think that they just stuck to 155. Listen, I don't want to make 145 four times, you know, back to back to back to back either. I think that it's not ideal, not great for my health either. So I'm not. I'm not pushing for them to make it 145. I think they had talked about it and ultimately decided that 155 was what it was going to stay at. So, Okay, so we talked about two entities. You mentioned the third. I believe that Kayla Harrison was sitting in the back, getting ready for her fight, her long-awaited debut, and there's all this glitz and glamour about a great boxer who hasn't stepped foot in an MMA cage yet. And there was a part of you that was like, enough of this Clarissa Shields talk. I'm here. <laughs> I'm the face. Uh, like, this is my night. This is my time. Enough with the interviews. Enough with the shine. Like, let's just put an end to this. Were you annoyed by all the attention that she was getting on your broadcast? And were you speaking about her as well? Um, again, this call out, this isn't, this isn't a call out to anyone. This is a proclamation. You know, we called it a promo or whatever. It's, this is just me stating, like, I'm just telling you right now, I'm betting on me. And if you're a smart person, you should bet on me too. Um, were you annoyed by all the attention? I, am I annoyed by all that stuff? No, because I get it. Like she's the shiny new toy for the PFL. Um, and I like Clarissa. Like, let's not, let's not create drama where there's none. Like I respect her. I, I applaud her for, for coming over to MMA when so many people just talk about it. Um, she's young. She's hungry. I've known her for years. I think that she's going to do great in MMA and I take none of that away from her. Now, 
does it bother me when people like I worked very hard I feel like in in conjunction with the PFL to help build them into what they are Mm -hmm. so I take a little bit of offense when people come in and they're now the new faces of the PFL. I guess, I guess personally, yes, I'm human. I'm a human being. Like, of course I get a little offended, not necessarily at Clarissa. I mean, we're talking about other fighters who they brought in who didn't even win. And they're like, Oh, this is the new face of the PFL. You know, like even you have said it and that's, that's fine. And I, I know that in the end, the more stars the PFL has, the more eyes that are going to be on me, the better it is going to be for me. So I get it, but I'm a human being. Like, of course I want it to be the Kayla show. Like I have a huge ego, just like every other fighter, you know, like I'm probably a raging narcissist and I don't even know it. Like, of course I am. But You didn't I mean, like I'm that. I like, called Anthony Pettis the new face of the PFL. You did call him that. You I did. did. I did. And, you uh, did. And, and he lost his debut. Now things could change. There's Rory McDonald as well. But I do agree. Like they've added some people, but you deserve a lot of credit. You validated that promotion long before anyone was talking about PFL. And certainly in the bridge between World Series of Fighting and PFL, they needed someone like you who you. was not a UFC cast off, if you will, mm-hmm. who was mm-hmm. a fresh you know, a story, an athlete mm-hmm. who was a PFL fighter, homegrown, if you will, you know, of course you, 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 you are built from, you know, the Olympics and everything that you've done prior, but they needed you and you helped them. You, you got them, I think to ESPN, you were the person they were parading around. So you should feel that way. I have, uh, I have no, I have no issues with you feeling that way. And, and I'm sorry if I offended you. You didn't offend me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I like sit around here, like, that's the other thing that I've learned this year, right? Like people are going to talk, people are going to say things, people are going to do things. Like this sport is very, um, it's a big drama show for sure, but it's also like something's happening every minute. Like one, one second you're the biggest news and the next second you're forget about them. Who cares? Like it's just, and people are going to say the MMA fans are going to say the nastiest things to you and, think the most terrible things about you and all these people are going to speculate and talk and this and that. And like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like none of that, none of that matters. Like I'm out here, I'm living my life. I'm literally chasing my dreams. I get to do what I love every day. I get paid a ton of money to do it. I'm surrounded by people that I really enjoy working with. Like I'm out here putting myself, like I, I might fail. I might fail. I might never be the greatest, but I'm, I'm chasing it like a mother, you know, and I'm really enjoying doing it. So I don't care what other, everyone says. I don't care about the hype. I don't care about if the PFL makes this person the face or that person the face. Like I know that I'm going to go out and I'm going to win and I'm going to destroy my opponents and I'm going to be so good that you can't ignore me. And so here's the last entity. And, and, and try, if you can, to not, you know, give us the runaround answer. Give us the cold, hard truth. Because, Kayla, you're a two-time Olympic gold medalist. Different breed of athlete. As we discussed with DC on Monday, you know, there's the Olympians, then there's the Olympic medalists, and then there's the gold medalists. There's very, very, very few of your kind in this sport. And I think... It annoys you when you are in the same room as Amanda Nunes, when people call her the GOAT, you want that title. You want to be called the GOAT. You think you can be better than her and that you can beat her. And I think you were talking about her as well. True or false? It doesn't annoy me when people call her the GOAT at all. Um, 
that's a little bit, I'm going to say false just on this, just for okay. one, for a couple of reasons. Okay. Number one, she is the goat. Okay. Number for two. For now, for now, right? Now. Number two, she has beaten and, and, and demolished her opponents for quite some time now. Like she has just been overwhelmingly dominant, you know? Um, and number three, I actually do like and genuinely respect Amanda. I think she's a great champion in the cage, outside the cage. I think she, um, again, is another person who I really look up to. But I take offense when people say to me, like, like, what am I supposed to be chasing? Second best? Like, what am I supposed to be? Like, oh, you you keep that GOAT status. I'm going to, I'm just going to be the best at, um, in the PFL or I'm just going to be the best at 155. Like, no, like that's not who I am. That's never been who I am. That's I've made it very clear from day one that like, I'm not in this to be mediocre. Like I'm not in this for a paycheck. I'm not in this for anything other than to chase greatness, like continue building my legacy. I've already done everything. I've already done things that people only dream of. Right. And I did it twice. I literally won America's first gold medal in the sport of judo. And then I went and I defended it. Nobody in the history of MMA right now can say that. Henry Cejudo can't say that. DC can't say that. Nobody can say that. Only I can say that. So yes, I'm chasing greatness. Yes, I'm chasing greatness. Not necessarily like, and it has nothing to do with Amanda. It's not personal towards Amanda. But of course I want to be the best. That's just who I am. It just so happens that she's your teammate, so it kind of elevates all the drama surrounding it. Added level of drama and a little bit of tension and, and things like that. But I don't think she, like, sits at home and worries about what I'm saying or what I'm doing. Like, when you're at the top, like, are you, like, worried about, you know, like, I'm still climbing. I still have a lot to prove. I still have a long ways to go. So I don't think she's, like, I don't think she worries about it at all. I think she has a great life. I think she's, you know got an amazing family she's knocking off wins she's cashing checks and snapping necks and like i think she's good have you ever had a serious conversation with the the patriarch of att dan lambert about your goal of eventually becoming yes. the goat and what would happen and so what is that conversation like um no i mean i just like obviously he doesn't want you know we talk a lot about like I try to always be respectful with everything I say, because first of all, I do respect her. And I'm also like, that's just who I am as a person, but we don't want another Colby Masvidal situation. No one wants that. Um, and I don't think it would ever get to that. We just, we haven't really talked like in detail about anything. I mean, it is what it is. He knows, he knows what it is. She knows what it is. I know what it is. We're not there yet. We don't even fight in the same promotion. We don't even fight in the same weight class. Like, we're still a ways off from that, but of course everyone is like, I guess, thinking about it. Do you ever spar each other or roll or train? No, no, not anymore. No. Why not? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think it's like a very weird thing in MMA too. Like I've said this many times, but in judo, like you literally compete in, in fight, compete against the, the people that, you're going to fight in, in the Olympics and train with them. Like a month before the Olympics, I was in France for a training camp. And every single day I was doing Randori, which is like sparring with the girl that I fought in the finals wow. of the Olympics. Like, it's just like a very, it's a different kind of culture where, I don't know. 
but I get it. Like, I'm not, it's not, I don't mind. I would love, I love to work with Amanda just because again, she's the greatest. She, every time I work with her, I learn something new and I feel like, um, we help build each other and bring each other up to new levels. Like you don't get, I think it's very rare that you get, um, two female athletes like this in the same room. You know, I'm very blessed in the sense that I've had it happen multiple times in my career. Like, you know, I used to train with Rhonda all the time. Now I moved to ATT. Now I, I was training with Amanda all the time. Like I'm very blessed in that sense that I've always kind of had people to aspire to be like, and to help push me to be even better. Um, but I think I probably ruined it. Like with my talk about wanting to be the greatest, I think I probably like have made it a little awkward. When was the last time you guys trained together? Um, probably her Felicia Spencer camp. Oh, so not that long ago. That was a year ago. That was last June. Yeah. Okay. Um, yesterday, or, or I should say Monday, um, Dana White did an interview with uh, TSN, Aaron Bronstetter of TSN, mm -hmm. and he was asked about you. And this mm -hmm. is what he said. He said, quote, I don't know if she's ready, meaning Kayla Harrison's ready. I mean, when she feels like she's ready, I'm always looking for the best possible people to come in and fight. If you don't think that we've offered her to come over, I just don't know if her people think she's ready yet. It's a whole other level when you get here. End quote. <laughs> Are you ready? What do you what do you think when you when you hear that, Kayla? Um, I think that if uh, I think that if Dana is ready to pay me a lot of money, I'll make him a lot of money. <laughs> Have they offered you in the past to come over there? Not that I am aware of. I mean, I've been under contract for the last right. three years, so I don't even know. I'm not sure about that, but I have stated many times I am ready to face the best in the world. So He added, quote, Holly Holm, Jermaine Demandermy, Aspen Ladd, Juliana Pena, the list goes on and on. It's a lot tougher when you come over here. I don't know if they think she's ready or not, but we'll find out end quote. Are you ready? You feel like you're ready? Yes. Is there a part of you that is craving that type of competition as, as an Olympian? Like you, of course. Does it, does it bother you when people dismiss your opponents? Of course. I mean, I can't, I don't get to pick who I fight. Like, it's not like right. I can like create this super promotion of all these badass women and say, Hey, fight me. Like I, I can control what I can control. And that's only my performance. So it is what in, it is. In your mind, how long before people start calling you the greatest? How long do you think it takes? You mentioned climbing the mountain. How long do you have to go? I mean, I've got a long ways to go. Really? You don't think yeah. it can happen in the next two years or so? No. I mean, maybe two, maybe three years, something like that. I, you also have to look at just the reign of Amanda and the people she... I think a lot of it is also unfortunate for me. A lot of it is timing, you know? Like... um my timing is a little bit off. Like it's tough. Like it's just, it's stuff I can't control, but like you look at who Amanda beat when she beat them in the height of their careers, like sure. as these powerhouses, the cyborg, you know, beating the Rhonda beating the, I mean, she's beat, she's beaten everyone there was to beat who are all considered legends of the sport. So that's going to be hard to do. Um, so I've got a ways to go. Do you have an interest in fighting Clarissa? I mean, of course I have an interest in fighting everyone. Like I just but walk like, around well, every day and I just want to fight some. 
but the idea, um, like the timing, you mentioned timing, it might not work out. Cause if your contract's up and she's just getting started, it might yeah, not work out. Yeah. Well, she will, will her present, like, does that, you know, the, 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 the Olympic gold medalist versus the Olympic gold medalist, does that interest you? Will that keep you potentially with PFL? Or do you feel like, again, maybe the stars won't align on this one? Um, I think timing is everything. Mm-hmm. And like I said, she's very young in her career. She hasn't even had a fight yet. I consider myself really to be more of a mentor for mm-hmm. Clarissa than to be like a competition at this point. Um, the same way I considered Amanda, my mentor, you know, like it's not, I'm not trying to like be disrespectful, talk down to her or anything. I just think that like, we're not, she hasn't even had a fight. Like, what are we talking about? Nobody knows what's going to happen. Like it's very different when you step in a cage and they lock the door, you know, it's, let's everybody calm down. This isn't a tournament. It's a coronation. I mean, what a line, Kayla. Where did you come up with that line on the spot? Did you did you think of that beforehand or did you feel that in the moment? Uh, no, nah, I just feel like, um, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I was just a little bit angry. I was just very like, uh, sometimes like every once in a while, I'm a big, I'm a big trash talker at the gym, right? So like, I don't usually talk trash to opponents. I don't whatever, but at the gym, like between Dan and Richie and all the guys and like Mike and Mako, like all we do is talk trash to each, to each other all day. And actually when I, um, we play Uno and stuff like that, I always write queen. Like that's my name. And I put like, you know, um, bum brownie and like the bear Mako, whatever. I always give nicknames. So I was just like, no, I'm the queen. Like, this is it. I'm the queen. This is, I'm the queen. Have we reached a point where Kayla Harrison is studying old pro wrestling promos and stuff like that? Oh no, I'm no, <laughs> absolutely not. That's Dan Lambert for sure. And he is like still very, like he jokes all the time. He's like, listen, I've got all these UFC belts. I've got PFL belts, but I need a wrestling belt, Kayla. You could bring it home to me. And I'm like, you're sick in the head. Please don't talk to me. You're sick. He's trying to, he's trying to steer you to WWE. You tweeted the other day about him showing everyone his nerd belt collection. I love nerd belt. Immediately. (laughs) I did. I immediately group texted him and Richie and I like just like put a screenshot of the room and I was like, there are no words for you. And then Richie just like starts like berating him like about what a nerd he is. He's so. Do do you want to hear the funniest Dan Lambert line I've ever heard in my entire life? So he said, we were talking about, somehow we started talking about wrestling and I'm not a huge fan of wrestling, but he's like sending me all these clips of, <laughs> of him doing like wrestling promos. Oh, he was good. He was good. <laughs> he sends them all to me and he, I was like, oh my God, Dan, this is, I'm really disturbed. Or I said something like I just crapped all over him. And I swear to God, this is without missing a beat. He said, I'm not the first artist to be uh, criticized for, for being different or something. And then he said, you mock what you don't understand. And I was like, wow. oh, bye. <laughs> He's like, I'm not the first artist to be misunderstood. Da Vinci, Van Gogh, but like all, and I was like, you mock what you don't understand. I still walk up to him and say that sometimes. Like you mock what you don't understand. I agree with him. He's the biggest nerd in the world. Uh, keep doing you, Kayla. Congratulations. You. And by the way, I should have said this at the very beginning. Happy Mother's Day. I oh, hope you had a great day you. with your kids as well. My first Mother's Day. Yeah, it's pretty, 
pretty cool. My new favorite holiday for sure. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Um, so a big, a big few days for you. So enjoy it. And we'll talk to you soon. Always appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. All right. So thank you very much to our guests this week, Michael Chandler, Anderson Silva, Kayla Harrison. Up on the YouTube channel, I also have a conversation up with Ric Flair, which was nothing short of amazing. An hour plus talking about his health, his anxiety, his career, working with his daughter, Charlotte, Michael Chandler, MMA. It was uh, it was amazing. Also, a conversation with Alan Joban, who uh, retired suddenly on Monday. Much love to him. That was a lot of fun. And on my Instagram page, by the way, a lot of interviews this week, and I love every second of it. I spoke to one championship fighter, Bean Wen, who is fighting on the one championship card this Saturday morning against uh, Ritu Fogat in a big fight for them in their atomweight division. It's a big fight card for Indian MMA. Arjun Buller is fighting in the main event against Brandon Vera. Um, and there's a lot of MMA going on this weekend. So check that out as well. And yes, there is a lot of MMA. T, uh, Titan FC is holding an event on Thursday in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. LFA is back on Friday. As I said, one championship. Dangal is uh, is going down May 15th, Saturday morning, 6 a.m. And then, of course, the big one, UFC 262, this Saturday night on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. Interesting card, interesting names on the prelims. Uh, you got names like Andrea Lee and Antonina Shevchenko. You've got Mike Grundy, who's a teammate of Darren Till against Lando Venata. You've got Jacare Souza against Andre Muniz. The prelims start at 5.30 Eastern. Then they continue on Big ESPN at 8 Eastern. And the main card, of course, 10 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. Edson Barbosa versus Shane Burgos is a really fun fight. Viviani Araujo against Caitlin Chukagian is a important fight. Uh, Rogerio Bontorin against Matt Schnell was moved to the main card after the recent loss of the Edmund Shabazian versus Jack Romanza fight. And then the two big ones, Benil Dariush versus Tony Ferguson. And of course, the vacant lightweight title fight between one Charles Dubronx Oliveira and Michael Chandler. Ton of MMA news since we last spoke. How about Rumble Johnson getting arrested for identity theft in 2019? Wild. Conor McGregor highest paid athlete in the world, according to Forbes, Wild, Dana White, saying he's leaning towards Nganu, Derek Lewis, as we know, and as we were told by Derek Lewis, and this saga with John Jones continues to roll along. Uh, Fabrizio Verdum getting that loss overturned to a no contest, great news. Donald Cerrone getting one more fight from Dana White, but it would be at 155. I think is promising news for Cerrone fans. Hopefully he... Uh, he uses that as the retirement fight. And of course, the big one that was dropped on this very podcast, Anderson Silva saying he is done with mixed martial arts. Wow. And it seems like there's a little bit of bitterness there. It seems like there's some hard feelings. He's taking the high road. But uh, if that's the end, what a run, what a career. And as I said to Chael on Ariel and the Bad Guy today, uh, they're... they're I'm not going to say there's no Anderson Silva without Chael, but Anderson owes a lot to Chael Sonnen. Chael Sonnen did a lot for Anderson Silva. And uh, he gave him that foil that he needed to get over the hump as a draw. And uh, it's good to see them on good terms. I know Chael just did an interview with Anderson. So that's the story. ESPN Plus, this Saturday night is the place to be. Please continue to rate, download, 
subscribe, review, follow, all those things and more to this podcast. And of course, back next week, same time and place. Until then, I say peace. I'm out of here.